Hey everyone, this week we're rebroadcasting our episode with Junior Delgado, the director of the Career Center at Westfield State University. Jackie and I talked with Junior back in 2018 about his work at the Career Center and his beginnings on an apple farm at the age of 11 to his nearly two decades at Westfield State. We hope you enjoy this episode. Jenna and I will return next week with a brand new episode. We'll see you then. I'm Jackie Vetrano from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And I'm Logan Bishop from Belmont University. You're listening to Higher Ed Social, part of the Connect EDU network. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks Thank for coming on. We appreciate it. <laughs> Definitely excited to be on. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I guess we can kick it off by having you introduce yourself however you, you would like. Okay. So my, my name is uh, Junior Delgado, and I am the director of the Career Center at Westfield State University in Westfield, Mass. And I have been the director just a, close to nine years, but I have been uh, serving this institution for almost 18 Wow, so I've been here. I've oh, been wow. here quite a long time. So I started wow. as I started as a coordinator of senior programs around uh, August of 2000, and then worked my way up from assistant director to associate, and then interim director, and then director. Wow, are you an alum also? Normally, I, people are alums. I'm an alum of the graduate program. My okay. undergrad experiences, I have had. Two. I went to. A, I received an associate's degree from Bay State College in Boston, and I also received a bachelor's from Clark University in Worcester, Mass. Uh-huh. And then my mass, my master's is from here at Westfield. So yes, I'm a I'm an alum on the graduate level, and then I was fortunate in 2013 to be able to do the Harvard Institute, the two-week program on leadership. Oh wow. So do they give you some sort of like prize for having all Massachusetts based like degrees? <laughs> <laughs> Not none at all. None at all. I, <laughs> I, I, I was brought to uh, Massachusetts from Puerto Rico as a, as a young child. Mm-hmm. And uh, we came to Western Massachusetts to the city of Holyoke. My father worked in Westfield mass. So we moved from Holyoke to Westfield mass. And the plan was after high school to get out of Westfield and never return. <laughs> I thought if, if I could head east, uh, that would be good. But life has a funny way of uh, bringing you back to the places where you think you're never going to come back to and then making them home. It does. It definitely does. It's not always a bad thing. No, no. not at all. Wow, that's great. I mean, I come from really small places, so um, I kind of am happy that I haven't gone too far, I guess. I've lived in a lot of places, but, you know... I live in the more urban part of where I'm from, I guess. So that's good. And I I love cities. I mean, I I really do love cities. I am some of my favorite cities, Boston, certainly because it is close enough. It's within an hour and a half from us, but I do love New York city and and I love Washington DC, but I love visiting, but I think where I live, I really like because it's a little bit of a slower pace of life. Yeah. Yeah. But you're in a good spot, right, for like city, like visiting cities, because you're close to New York City and Boston, and I assume DC isn't up. too far, right? Yeah, so we we're about, I think, in car because we I just did that the other day. It's about seven hours in 
Park in Washington. Oh, wow. It's a little bit further than I thought it would be. It isn't too bad. I mean, New York, if if we go up the backside of Connecticut into New York, we can be there in about two and a half hours. So it isn't really that that far. Uh, Now I miss New England, (laughs) being up there, going to Boston. I had never been to Boston before I moved to Albany. So it's funny because when I moved to Albany, every single person I talked to like before I left was like, oh, Albany's so great because it's so close to Boston and so close to New York City. And I was like, that feels weird that like the selling point of the city that I'm moving to is that it's close to other cities. Like <laughs> it shouldn't, I feel like that shouldn't be it, right? But then, you know, you step outside right now and it, it's what, a nice 60 degrees? In, uh, no, and this is when I lived in Albany. Uh, I'm just talking <laughs> no, about so. right now, you being in North Carolina, comparing it to New England, it's a little bit nicer. Right. Temperature-wise. Uh, without a doubt, because we were about, I think it was, what, 38 degrees today, 42 degrees, I think, at the high. I will say it wasn't that warm down here today. Like, no, today sometimes we, I we forget got hit by a cold streak, but, you know, we had 80 degrees, like, last week, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. And, then it was, and then it snowed on Saturday, so weird. Yeah, weather's weird down here. It's been cold. It's been cold. It is. Are all your students complaining about walking across campus in the bitter cold? Yes, yes. <laughs> but we, we're, we're, I mean, we are a spread out campus, which is interesting because we're about two hundred and twenty acres or so. That's But huge. all of our, all of our buildings are within close proximity. We're on the same side of the street, and I think the furthest walk is maybe less than ten minutes. So it is. Wow. So we're a very, very contained, self-contained campus. It isn't that students are, are driving across the city to get to the campus. I mean, we're, we're all on one side of the street, and even the furthest building, we do have bus transportation every day that runs from 8 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. So it runs every 10 minutes. Oh, How that's big? great. Um, are you guys enrollment-wise? So enrollment-wise, traditional undergrad, we're about 4,700 with our graduate students, we're, I'm going to say somewhere around 5,200, 5,300 students. So we're not large by any means, but we're good size. Yeah. You're mid-sized. You're a little past mid-sized. I mean, when so you compare you... it, until you compare it to like an FIU, which is like, you know, 30,000 students, but you know. <laughs> not, nothing close to that. So the, the yeah. closest, the closest largest institution to us is uh, UMass Amherst. The mm-hmm. University of Massachusetts, and that's about 35 minutes north of us. It always so amazes does... me how many schools are in Massachusetts, and it's like so, so tiny. <laughs> we have a ton. Yeah, you got to pack them all in. Yeah, even, we're not even, even a big own... state. I mean, we're Tennessee, and we're not even a big state, and I feel like you guys have more schools than we do. We do. We do, because our, <laughs> our, our education... Without a doubt. Our educational recruiting consortium alone, the, the one that puts on the large size event, Right now, we have, I think, 41 schools that are part of part of the, the consortium. Oh, my God. That's just Massachusetts? Nuts. Just Massachusetts schools. Holy cow. It's a lot. You say you're not urban, but, you know, have you been down here? Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you pack so many people into Massachusetts. I know Massachusetts population-wise, I'm pretty sure is bigger than Tennessee. But we're, like, so spread out. It's not even funny. Um you can go miles without there being a house. It's crazy. See, we, we do have 
we do have some communities like that here in Massachusetts, but they're they're further into western western Massachusetts. So it's right. either closer to the Vermont border or closer to the New York State border. And you you do have some towns that are very small where people do own. Some folks have 15 acres of land. Some folks have 22 acres of land. So it it really depends. See, in Georgia, I mean, not in Georgia, in Tennessee, where we lived, we had 12 acres of land and our property was considered small. Um, Wow. My best friend, Vanessa, had 300. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it was. uh, They did cows, organic cows. That is amazing. Fun. That's bigger than the size of our campus, our, our acreage. Wow. Well, you know, it's it's a cow farm, so that's just kind of <laughs> how it goes. You need a lot of room, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, because all they do is just wander around and eat things. Yes. Sorry, I, I mean, I grew up in the South. I grew up in rural areas, and I just absolutely know nothing about farming or football. So that kinda, Wow, that's surprising. That says Interesting. Something, right? Yeah. That, that is so, very surprising. So then how big is your your staff in the career center and are you just servicing undergraduate students? So we we are a staff so I, there are four professionals, one graduate student, uh, two support staff and I believe six students that work in our office and we serve all undergraduates, all graduate students and we also offer lifetime assistance. Wow. That's people awesome. can come back at any point in time, which is interesting because when I tell people that, yes, you can come back at any point in time, we had, uh, I think it was last summer, the summer before, I had all in, this, I, in the same week, I had a 58-year-old alum and a 60-year-old alum call us for career advice. Wow. That's pretty amazing. So, yeah, they do come back. And they should come back because that's what you're there for. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's something that we've... Um, definitely been trying to make known to our alums that they can come back and we can help them out with stuff. Um, help them with jobs, help them with resumes, all that kind of fun stuff. Job searches. Uh, I mean, in fact, we just switched to a whole new system called handshake that lets them do all the connecting and stuff. Oh, are you guys a handshake school? Yes, we are. I feel what like everybody thoughts is on handshake. I like it. I, I think um, we were a grad leaders school and uh, it just it started to get to the point where it, it wasn't working for, for us in our office or our institution and we decided to go to handshake. And, and one of the things that I always say is that I just don't think any system is perfect or it's going to have everything that each and every individual school needs because as we we meet across our state when we have we have a New England directors career center directors meeting and technology is often those things we talk about. We talk about all the different systems from the simplicities of the world to the handshakes to the purple briefcases. And there are features of every one of those systems that everyone likes, but there are elements that are also missing. And there's just not one system that anybody has found that has everything that every school needs. We had just a, we had a, a couple weeks ago when we asked uh, Janelle about her experience uh, at Arizona State with Handshake. And I'll ask you this question, too. Why would a student have Handshake if LinkedIn already exists? Like, is there an advantage to it or should they be using both or like is LinkedIn dead? So I I think that both platforms certainly should be used because I think they 
they operate in, in a bit of a different way. And, and I think with the handshake, it's very purposeful that you have employers that are recruit, recruiting from the different institutions. And it's more purposeful where on LinkedIn, it truly is a, a true networking platform. But I, what I think the frustration for some students is that there are times where they reach out to individuals on LinkedIn and nobody ever gets back to them. Mm-hmm. So if we're always, if institutions, if we're always recommending students to use LinkedIn, there has to be more education and more classes on, on how to actually make the system work for them. But I think certainly in this day and age with competi- the competitiveness of jobs and employers looking for the best and the brightest, I think the more platforms that we can point our students that are going to give those give them those one-to-one connections, I think I'm, I, I support both systems because I, I see a benefit in both. And for institutions too, Handshake is very powerful in that it allows you to keep in contact with your, um, your alumni base so that you can uh, get all of that wonderful first destination information, um, send out surveys, um, also um, build an internship base for your um, current students too, not just find jobs for, you know, uh, uh, um, students who've already graduated. So at least that's how we use it. Yep. And, I, and I think what's, what's, what I find to be very useful on the Handshake platform is the, is the engagement, the student engagement piece, uh, because some platforms I think, well, many of them are, are starting to change this model where before their systems were not so eye-catching or appealing to students and students found them to be very boring. Now with some of these systems, the way that they've changed the interfaces, it, it allows more student engagement. It looks more like a Twitter page. It looks more like a Facebook. So students are, are much more used to those types of platforms. So it makes it a seamless, a seamless transition for them to be able um, to really use the system and, and leverage the power of a handshake. Mm-hmm. That's really great. It's so, it's just so funny. Like, I mean, I am not old at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> and my, like, I won't say that I am, but like my job hunting experience, you know, my senior year of college was nothing like this. And it was only, you know, a few years ago. It wasn't, it wasn't that long ago that I was yes, looking for my first job. I, I did not. I said, I'm not old. And even then when I was looking for jobs and finding connections, it was not like this. It was, you know, I went to my professors and I said, this is what I'm interested in. Do you know anyone, you know, whatever. But I pretty much just like applied for a bunch of jobs and, and went for it. I didn't really have a lot of like necessarily any connections at at least that I knew I could leverage, but it was just like a totally different ball game. When I, and, and I agree with you because I, I think it, every couple of years this has been changing and, and, and being in this, in this type of work for now close to 20 years, I have seen it change in a variety of different ways because when I first started, everything was still very much paper-based and you submitted your resumes mm-hmm. through paper and that would go out to an employer and they would select you that way. And now the last five years, everything has been tech and Employers are asking more and more of students to be on Twitter, to find opportunities that way, to be on LinkedIn and find opportunities in that way. So it, it does really change every couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see over the next three to five what, what the hiring process looks like for college students. Hey, it's Jackie. 
Thanks so much for listening to Higher Ed Social. We really appreciate it. I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about this really cool podcast player called Radio Public. And I know you probably already have your podcast player that you go to all the time, but take a listen to Radio Public because it's way different than any other podcast player out there. You can find it both in the Apple App Store as well as Google Play Store. And the thing that's so cool about Radio Public is that it actually starts to learn a little bit about you. You can organize your podcast into playlists, or if you just want something new, you can head over to the app and pick up a different playlist. They have one called Lazy Sunday or Podcast Club. So whatever you're feeling, you're going to be able to find something. What I think is the best part about using the Radio Public app, though, is when you're looking for something new and you just want to ask your friends, what new podcast should I listen to? Radio Public's got your back. So you can ask the podcast librarians, yes, actual people, what new podcast should I listen to? And because they have done extensive research and listened to tons of podcasts, they're going to give you a great suggestion. So you can head over to radiopublic.com or download the app in both the Apple App Store and Google Play Store and just give it a shot. You know, you'll never know what you're going to find. All right, let's get back to the show. So what, um, I mean, this is kind of, well, maybe it's a little early, but, um, what type of programs are going on on campus? Cause like, I'm sure your seniors are all starting to panic right now. <laughs> they're, they're freaking out and they're down to about, I think at our campus, they're down to, I'm going to say about 40 days. Oh, yes. wow. Somewhere in that vicinity. Oh, that's, this that. is panic time. It, May, May 19th, our, our seniors graduate. So yeah, certainly okay. we have we a lot of May 5th. Wow. So oh, that's, wow. that's even earlier. So, I, I mean, I think on our campus, what's interesting is that, that we, we've been doing consistent programming throughout the years and we, throughout the year, and we just came out of um, a major career fair last week where we had 106 organizations on campus and it was a general job and internship fair. So it covered a variety of different majors and we had everything from criminal justice to business to some technology companies. We had environmental science company. So, and then a lot of human services, well, not for profit organizations, as well as some of those service organizations, such as the Peace Corps. So, I think that we certainly are providing students with those opportunities as much as we, we can get our students to get on handshake and take a look at those job opportunities. We've also held this year quite a few what we call professional networking nights, where we covered about 11 different majors and we brought professionals and alumni to come in and do some networking with our students to talk about their those specific career fields. So we did communication, we did criminal justice, uh, we did psychology, sociology, and social work. So always trying to really give students an opportunity to connect with individuals and learn more about the jobs that are out there to get that, that process rolling. And certainly we've been, since the beginning of the year, talking to our students about all the leadership development programs that had deadlines in the early fall and getting students to to apply to those. But I would say this year we've had on our campus two major career fairs as well. And then next week will be that culminating major educational career fair in Boston, which is a consortium-wide fair. We get quite a few students. I think every year we get anywhere from 20 to about uh, 35 Western State students to travel out to Boston to that event. Wow. And so with the consortium event, then it's, I assume like huge because it's, you know, a ton of different schools putting it together. How many employers show up? So out of those employers, we have 130 employers that attend. Um, 
we sold out at the beginning of February. So we have one international uh, school that's coming from an international country. And then I believe it's 14 or 15 different states that are being represented. So they're coming from as far away as California, Texas, Florida, North Carolina. Uh, we get districts from Colorado, certainly wow. all the New England states. We get uh, Washington, D.C. public schools will come up to the event. Um, so we really do get a, a nice mixture. And we that fair is not only open to students from the consortium schools, but it's also open to any student or any member of the public that oh, wow. wants to come to, to the event. So we typically get somewhere, I want to say, in the it varies from year to year, but we get somewhere around 500 to about 800 individuals that attend that event. Awesome. Wow. That is great. I love that it's open to the community too. That's so yeah. neat. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that 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 under under the leadership here at Westfield, our our events, any of our job fairs, uh, any of our internship fairs, whatever that may be that comes out of our office, professional networking nights. As a, as a public institution, we open up all of our events to the public. So if somebody is searching for work or wants to come up, because we have two. Uh, one-stop centers in, in the towns that are adjacent to us. Mm-hmm. And so we, when, whenever we have big events or anything of the nature that might appeal to job seekers, we'll send the invites out to those, to those one-stop centers and say, you know, this is open to the community as well if any of your folks want to attend our events. I think that's important for any higher ed institution, even if you're not public. I think that giving back to the community is probably one of the more important things that you know, any university should do more so than just putting our graduates out, but also, you know, helping make our communities better. Because when we make our communities better, we make, you know, just everything better. The culture just around the university better. It's a good thing. We, 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 we really truly believe in, in being good neighbors um, to the people that live around us because we also are in a very residential neighborhood. Um, so we always want to be as best neighbors as possible. I think opening up those events, just like we do with any of our plays, any of our theater productions, in terms of sporting events, we open it up to the community and invite members to come out and participate as well. So what got you into this, um, just this line of work? What what really motivated you to, you know, get into career development? So what's funny is I, I there's a there's quite a few factors. I've been working since the age of 11. And I started working on an apple farm for a few weeks. And then from an apple farm, transitioned for eight summers working on a tobacco farm because we are we have a, a large-sized tobacco farm, farming industry here in, in uh, northern Connecticut and part of western Massachusetts. And so I've been working all my life doing jobs. And, and I think the biggest thing that gave me the motivation was while being a younger individual and then going transitioning through high school, at those times, my father was laid off from work, and uh, my parents are not native speakers of English. They're, they're Spanish-speaking, and so a lot of the, the translating work and a lot of the helping them search for work, especially my father, fell to myself because I was the oldest in, in the family. So I think that's where I started to pick up that passion. And every Sunday, when these are in the days of when people still had a lot of jobs in newspapers, um, waking up early on Sundays and, and focusing specifically on the job search section of the newspaper, either a look for jobs or I was just curious always as to what type of employment was out there. Uh, and that, that's kind of how that started. But then going to school, um, I wanted to work in hotels, which is the first thing I ever wanted to do. I always thought that that would be pretty neat working in a hotel. And then my first 
a professor was a hotel manager and said, well, there are nights where I don't go home and I sleep at the hotel. And there are times where I'm putting in 80 to 90 hours a week. And I said, that ended the hotel career <laughs> thought right there. Yeah, that would. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Being 18 and hearing that, I'm doing 90 hours a week and then um, I'm sleeping at the hotel. I was like, well, nope, that, that's not going to work. And then so from there, I transitioned into wanting to do early childhood. And then we did some shadowing. And that pretty much shut that that career space down for me as well because I said, I don't know that I want to work with with kids that are this small. Yeah, and then I, they're a little I tough. They, they're energetic, super energetic. I, I, have one, I have one, and yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I could deal with him all day. Yeah, I have a four-year-old, and she's she's a load of fun, but she's got triple the energy that I have for sure. Yeah, mine's, mine's about that age too. And they are, they are fun, like I said, but they have energy level. that, And I would like that energy level. That's something for sure that I would like the energy level. But I think what, what I learned <laughs> from that was that at that time, at 18, 19 years old, that that probably wasn't going to be a good choice. And, and so I started to really think about, okay, what, what do I want to do as I, as I move through my college experience? And uh, so I started looking at taking classes, working with high school students or middle school students. And I found that that was a good fit at that time. So I, I studied that with a combination of Spanish and then graduated from college and thought that I wanted to teach, took two months off or three months off. And then I started working in human services in a not-for-profit agency working with, which it's funny because these things kept taking me back to, to what I do now. And so I started working at an agency where it was a welfare to work program um, by the by the federal government and the Massachusetts state government, uh, helping mothers to get them off the welfare rolls and get them back to work. So I was doing some job coaching, was working with them to see where their skill set were and, and helping them to get employed and then being on the job space that was giving or in a job center that was giving them experience. And did that for a little bit and then found that I missed high school students. So I went back to teach Spanish. Um, so I did that for about a year and then realized that, again, that wasn't going to be a fit. And then I started thinking about colleges and, and that age group. And uh, so I was successful in landing an opportunity at a small school in Western Massachusetts uh, called Elms College. And right. I, became an, I became an admissions officer. So I did admissions for a year. And then the travel got to be a little bit too much, and the pay wasn't so spectacular <laughs> at the time. And, yeah, it, uh, I, it still isn't, I don't think, um, for no. admissions folks. <laughs> uh, they, 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 I, I respect everything that they do, uh, but being on the road as much as they are, it's, that can be that can be very uh, time-consuming and, and really uh, wear a person out. And so from there, it transitioned over, and I applied to a position and was successful in, in, in getting the job here at Westfield State. And I was a coordinator of senior programs working with the senior class, getting them to think about life after Westfield because I, that's a theme that I have for everything here at Westfield with our, with our students. I always talk about life after Westfield. That's one of the things that I think is important for them to think about because this experience for the transfers is going to be two years and for our four year students going to be four years and it's going to be a very quick experience. Right. So we really, we really want them to think about what is next. How are you preparing yourself while you're here for what's to come in your next phase of your life? Yeah, I'm like you. I jumped around a lot after college, um, but I'm kind of happy where I ended up. Um, you know, I just realized uh, when you were talking about all this, like today is my 10 year anniversary at Belmont. So that's pretty cool. Wow. wow. Yeah. A whole decade. Congrats. Yeah. That means I, 
I get my present at Christmas, um, my little <laughs> Christmas bonus for being here 10 years. So we well, have to make it all the way to December first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's only April, though. I can guarantee you it's going to be May before we realize it because um, that was March. I did not March like was there and then it was over. Yeah, like so fast. It was by quick. Mm hmm. Your your story is so cool, and it's I I think it's really fun that you're now doing career services because you I think are like the story that college kids need to hear that like it's okay you're gonna figure it out <laughs> like Absolutely. you might bop around a little bit and, you know I working with students as my student workers and especially seniors they all panic and I was like your first job is not gonna be your last job don't worry about it <laughs> you know like. Absolutely. You'll figure it out. And, and I think lucky. that's the pressure. That's the pressure for students, what mm -hmm. you just said. I think my, my student workers have been lucky. They've all had jobs, like, literally before they graduate, they've all lined up something. So I've been pretty proud of them. Um, or yeah. they've gone to grad school. Um, so that's pretty awesome. I want they the all formula. seem to be going to New York, though. They all want to be in New York City. But, you know, whatever. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I've got yeah, three up there right now. Nice, and they nice. never see each other. It's a big city. Yeah, that's what I hear. Well, that's like Massachusetts students. They all want to go to Boston. Yep, they all do. And that's just like I don't know. It's, I mean, looking back on when I was a senior and you know trying to apply and getting a job, I was in a frenzy. Like if I don't get a job now I'm never going to get a job <laughs> like and it's just I don't know you don't really have as, as a senior you I think a lot of people don't have the confidence that they should have that like I am good at this and I will get a job and it will work out well that's what's really important is just having faith to some extent I think but not having too much faith to where you're not trying but mm -hmm. you know you got to have a little faith in yourself that you know, you're going to find what you're looking for. And, you know, most students do. Um, not every student, but most students do. Junior, do you know any of your students, your graduating students going off? Like, what's the coolest thing that they're doing? Like a really interesting thing? For some of our students, policing is, is one of the bigger fields that we have here. So we have some that mm -hmm. are going policing um, that, that I've talked to early on. We've had one or two land some jobs in the market. So a lot of them are still searching. Mm -hmm. Some are getting offers and, and they're not the right ones. So some students are turning some of those offers down. I'm trying to think if I've heard of anybody that's gotten anything super interesting. I think one of our seniors is going to be going to Disney. Nice. That's pretty awesome. And the, and the theater side of Disney. So that, that's, that. one thing, that's one thing that we're excited about because we do have a theater program here at Westfield as, as well. And they're getting ready for a large size uh, production coming up, I think, over the next week or week and a half. So they'll be doing that on our campus. Fun. But we, we do have some students. I mean, we have some that have already accepted some teaching opportunities as well. Um, and we've got quite a few in the pipeline waiting uh, to hear back from either AmeriCorps, Peace Corps, City Year, with some of the service learning programs. That seems to be something that, that our students are really excited about, some of those service programs. Yeah, those are definitely growing in uh, popularity, I think. I think it's just their way of give, giving back. And I almost call it, I, I would almost call that the gap year between work and, 
<laughs> finishing school. Right. So where they're not, they're not ready to commit to full time work and looking at work, but all they want to take a year to to do some service and and help out and give back. And then certainly the other the other end of the spectrum is the students that we've got students already being accepted into graduate schools. So we had one. Um, she's going to be going to NYU for social work, so she's really excited about that. Nice. Um, we've had some that are already uh, committed to to UMass on the master's level as well. So grad school is another another big component for our students. Um, do a lot of your students stay at, on campus for their masters? Uh, so on our campus, we our masters programs are not super super large, so we do have quite a few students that commute. Um, actual live on students. Very, very few, but that's something that our institution is looking at uh, as we move forward, potentially to allow allowing more graduate students to stay on campus and opening up uh, residential halls for them to live here. But it, it's such a small number right now because many of our grad students commute in or they live uh, in the surrounding towns. Nice. That makes sense. Do you have a high percentage of students who continue on to their master's degree, like right out of undergrad, and they just stay in their program, basically? Uh, we have some. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that it's a super large number. It depends on some of the programs. For example, our our counseling programs tend to do uh, really well. Our social work. Those are two of the biggest ones that I would say we have students that that uh, do transition over from undergrad. And one that is growing for us, but I don't know if it's necessarily from our undergrads, but it's our our masters of public administration program. Got it. So, so that's, that's so neat. My my undergraduate. Uh, institution did not well they offered two different master's programs but one neither of them were what I was interested in um, so I think it would it's cool that students have the opportunity to stick around or try something new mm-hmm. well I think that's all the time we have for the show this week oh man that went fast I was yeah quick. it goes so fast um, well thank you junior we really appreciate it it's so fun to hear how things are going on everybody's campuses Thank you for having me. I, I definitely appreciate it. It was a great experience. Yeah. The countdown is on for our, yes. our class of 2018. Um, so you'll have to let us know if there's any cool students that get jobs. We'll, uh, we'll link to it in the show notes or write about it in the show notes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, thank you again. We really appreciate it. And listeners, we appreciate you sticking around with us. Um, head over to higher and you can actually get links to our show notes and all the cool stuff that we talked about today. Um, you can also subscribe to the show pretty much anywhere that you get podcasts. Uh, please subscribe. You'll get notifications when we send out our newest episodes. Um, and if you like it, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's pretty much the only way that people can find us is when you review us. So let us know what you like, what you don't like. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. That's also how we can hear about what you think of the show. Uh, we're at HES Podcast. Uh, shoot us a tweet. Let us know what you want to hear about next episode. Um, and also, if you want to be on the show, shoot us a tweet because we want to meet you. Higher Ed Social is produced by the fabulous Emma Hawes and is part of the Connect EDU Network, which is the first podcast network for higher ed. You can learn more about it on the website, which is connectedu.network. And you can subscribe to some pretty awesome shows no matter where you work on campus. Have a great week.